and higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Glenn has been on a bit of a hiatus here and it's glad to have him back. Glenn, how you doing? Good, KC. Good too, man. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow. Tractor Zoom delivering insights and dry shod boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. So, Glenn, it has been a uh, been a little while since we had a chance to talk. So, uh, a few things have changed in 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 your world there. Why don't you uh, give everybody an update on on what uh, what has changed and and uh, the direction you're headed in now? Yeah, Casey, it's been a little while. I know there just hasn't been that much stuff about the PPP program, you know, for for a while. We were talking about that, uh, seemed like almost on a daily basis. But um, now in in the meantime, um, there's been some pretty exciting changes happening at our firm. Um, Heinold Banworth is what you've, you know, we've been talking about these last two, three years. But our firm decided to combine forces with a with a technology and accounting and uh, advisory company uh, named Sickage. And they're a, about a thousand plus person firm um, with just a deeper deeper resources that we, you know, felt like we needed to really make sure we had as we uh, advise more complex clients. You know, the, today's world is is pretty crazy. So they do have a couple offices uh, reasonably close to ours in Downstate Illinois and Springfield and Decatur, and and we actually our firm actually. Uh, did their peer review for a number of years since the 1980s. So we have a real, real good familiarity with them, and we're excited to join forces and just have a deeper, deeper resources. Um, as I said, uh, to to advise our client base. So that's that's what we got. So yeah, the name is Sickage now. Sickage, right on. Are you guys still going to be out of uh, working out of your office there in Peoria? Yeah, yeah. Our East Peoria office is you know going to stay the same, same people, uh, you know, same. Same same location, so right yeah, we're we're excited to keep that and and um, just have deeper resources at our at our availability here. That's an important part of today's business world for sure is uh, resources and being able to get those. So good yep. stuff. All right, Glenn. Well, there has been. Uh, I guess we have a political election going on right now, so there's all kinds of stuff going on there. And there's during these time frames, usually leading up to these things, there's a lot of different uh, programs that get pushed through trying to get that collective vote headed one way or the other. So I guess as you take a look at the landscape right now, what are some of the issues that you're seeing out there right now that you are paying attention to? Yeah, well, the we have the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program 2 or CFAP 2 that um, sign up is you know happening now. It should have started a couple weeks ago on Monday here. Um, so producers can sign up for that. Um, it's, you know, based on your uh, 2020 planted acres, and then it's um, there's a certain rate per bushel. If, if we're talking about you know commodity seer like corn and soybeans, I believe it's 23 cents on corn, 31 cents on beans, and 39 cents on wheat. Um, so you're going to take your you know your acreage for 2020 times that uh, bushel rate, and then times your uh, it's a weighted average of your APH. So. Um, so definitely that's something that, you know, sign up can be occurring right now. 
and there's also uh, you know livestock uh, numbers as well. Okay, so that program a little bit. Let's let's talk about that and just kind of define what that is a little bit. I remember when it first came out, it was um, kind of coincided the uh, the PPP program when it came out, and they've done a couple different revisions uh, to that since then. But kind of define that program real quick and what that is. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, one thing I can say is the CFAP1, you know, um, that was a lot more complicated calculation. It was, you know, based on uh, having unpriced bushels and then right. there was quite a bit more, um, you know, uncertainty about exactly what that meant. This this one appears to be designed to, you know, quickly get the money out um, here this fall um, as harvest is, is just starting in, in central Illinois here. Okay. Yeah, I remember when that came out, there was uh, some some hubbub about that because that was at the time when it came out um and when corn was was bouncing around the three dollar mark and um you know cattle were were yeah. devastated hogs were devastated so they were they were trying to kind of rebound that stuff with uh getting some bottlenecks out of the out yeah. of the production uh production cycle there yeah i think it's based on at the time it was based on you know kind of how much the features had dropped say from like january through july right. um and it and there is like there is a percentage that's involved, and I I gave you the weighted numbers. You know, it's already got that in there. But they tried to figure out, you know, maybe how much the crop kind of overall, you know, would have been priced, and you know, and, and they tried to figure it out. But yeah, I think it's the it's decline from January through July on the futures. Yep. Okay. All right. So you've mentioned a couple other things here that we've talked about. What else is on your radar, and what do you uh, what do you see out there right now? You know the other one, which I'm not sure has gotten a ton of ton of information, a ton of press about it, is um, the emergency uh, the disaster loan program or the EIDL. Right. Um, but there's some fraud in it, and certainly we've heard about fraud. You know, Can't stories of fraud that. in yeah. in PPP. Yeah. Uh, but this was this was before PPP. You know, as an existing program, I think it's designed more for you know probably hurricanes and you know things of that nature. But they kind of, you know, allowed it to be used, you know, because of the coronavirus. And that was the one where you would go online and kind of submit your application. Um, so you didn't really go through a bank to do this. And you could get maybe an up to a $10,000 grant. And then there was a loan as well that um, pretty low, very low interest rate, 30-year term, that kind of thing. But you would apply and you didn't know, you know, you couldn't say, hey, I want a $300,000 loan or whatever. It just, they kind of allocated the loan out based on what you submitted and there the, the site was down and so uh, it definitely got a lot of initial attention but then kind of got you know as the ppp came up ppp was where it was at so but what we're hearing about now and, and we've had at least uh, one client at our at our firm sicature um, get hit with this and checked out around a few other places in my network and I know it happens some on the east coast south carolina north carolina the exact same thing but but what'll happen is um you get this letter in the mail and it's from the SBA and it says hey your first payment is due you know next summer and you know your loan amount is $150,000 for this disaster loan and this particular client you know did not apply for the loan Right. So you did not apply for the loan. You did not get the money in your bank account yet. It appears that somebody else maybe applied on your behalf and they got the money. It's not good. So, so it's not good. Um, cause it is a loan, you know, and it's, and this, and, and it was what they, 
ended up doing, I think originally at one point you could get up, to, you know, at the time you could get up to a $2 million loan. At least that was what was, you know, in the, in the regulations again, cause this was a, an old program. Was it, was it new with the coronavirus? So they got so many applications, right? Tons of applications that they ended up capping the loan at $150,000. So, so that may be your loan number or loan amount is $150,000. And that was the case in this one situation I know about. Um, so, so what do you do basically? Um, is the question, right? Um, first of all, you know, you want to make sure you didn't actually apply for it. You didn't get the money. Um, we'll put something in the show notes, but there's a link you can go to where you can see if you, you know, whatever, if it's your individual, for it's a company, um, you can go online and see, Hey, am I listed as having received this EIDL? And, and so once you know that, then you can actually submit like a, you know, a fraud claim or whatever, basically notifying the SBA um, that, hey, you know, there's fraud here. So, uh, but yeah, it's kind of scary. And in particular, Casey, the EIDL at the time when it was first, you know, implemented for coronavirus, it wasn't real clear if agriculture could participate in it because, you know, agriculture would have different different programs, right? Um, and so basically ag was kind of maybe left out at least initially. Well, later on, they kind of made sure they wanted to open it back up for ag. And so I think possibly when they opened it back up, that's when, you know, uh, fraudsters tried to do some things. So I, it does appear that maybe it's hitting agriculture businesses harder than just your, you know, rank and file other type of business or industry. So that's why we just wanted to make uh, make your listeners aware of it. Uh, but again, how you notice it is if you either go online and see that you're listed, but I will tell you case, there's a ton of, a ton of names in there. It's, it's, there's three different spreadsheets and a lot of, a lot of rows on there. And so it can take a while, you know, you got to search each one. Um, but you, you should be getting these letters that come out just to just kind of say, Hey, you know, it's got a low number. It's all, you know, I, it, it appears it's all official. It's just, you know, Hey, you didn't get, you didn't get the loan proceeds and your first loan payment's not due till, you know, generally next summer sometime. So that's, that's the first tip off is if you do get it. Hmm. That's a mess, man. That's like, uh, that's kind of a shock to some, I mean, you know, how do you, how do you go around, just start the conversation with, uh, with the SBA and start working through the channels there and showing that you didn't apply for anything? Yeah, I mean that's you know there's a you can there's a phone number or a website you can go to to kind of submit you know the the protest or whatever and say hey I didn't get this loan but I, I'm not sure you know I'm not sure what happens after that but but um, hmm. yeah it's pretty scary um, because again it, all it took was somebody to go online and and uh, fill it out now as I'm remembering here when that platform was open there were issues originally with. Um, uh, basically that your information was like left in there for like the next person. So if you had like your social security number and stuff, um, as I recall now, yeah, there were, there were some issues that the, the form didn't like clear out or something. And so this isn't kind of the first time that this EIDL had that because the EIDL, you really, you know, you weren't going through a bank, but, you know, PPP, you went through a bank, right? Kind right. of more yeah. normal channels. Yep. Is EIDL, you know, which was nice at the time. Hey, all I got to do is go online, right? I don't have to, you know, mess with anything. But, but there were some challenges when they had so, you know, so many people apply for it. I think it, you know, I think the servers went down and 
all that kind of stuff. So we're still dealing with the aftermath of, of all this uh, strain on the system, I guess you'd say. It's crazy. All right, Glenn. So here we are at the uh, heading into the last quarter of the year. This is a busy time of the year for everybody when you start looking at all the stuff going on. So you've got obviously harvest going on. You've got that year-end buying push, guys looking at making some decisions based around taxes and what have you. What's some of the information or advice you want to throw out to the folks right now heading into this last uh, three or four months of the year? Yeah, I think we'll, you know, we'll talk some more about this, but I do think the, we'll have to talk about PPP here, at least for a little bit, Casey, today, you know, that people are going to be wondering, hey, is it time to, you know, apply for forgiveness, right? There's loan forgiveness applications been out there for a few months now. We've been expecting, you know, additional guidance. Um, nothing has really happened. I think that the last guidance of substance we got was, I believe, August 24th. Um, and so, you know, it's going to be time to start thinking about applying for forgiveness um, and, and trying to get the loan off off your books. But there's still quite a bit of uncertainty around some of the rules and will there be new rules come out? Will there be, you know, rubber stamp approval on a loan under $150,000? You hear a lot about that, um, but nothing, you know, nothing official. Um, but, you know, in the tax world, we're kind of trying to figure out how do we deal with um, you know, income tax estimates or what's, what's my income going to be? Because if you remember, we talked about this case, you know, the, the loan amount, the, the, the cancellation of debt, the forgiveness of the loan was, is not to be considered taxable income. Right. So right. that was in the, in the actual law that was passed back in March. But then the IRS came out uh, maybe a month and a half later and said, well, under this other rule, we're going to, yeah, it's not taxable. The, you know, the, the receipt of that income is not taxable. The forgiveness isn't taxable, but any expenses that you use, you know, use the loan proceeds to pay payroll as an example, you know, we're going to treat those payroll expenses as non-deductible, right? So in effect, if you can't deduct the expenses, it makes the loan taxable, right? It's just mm -hmm. kind of the other side of the coin. So so there's quite a bit of confusion right now on what should my taxable income be, you know, under, under IRS, um, they're saying, you know, Hey, effectively that loan is taxable basically. Yeah. Uh, now there's, there's a lot of talk about Congress, you know, changing that and going ahead and fixing that, but it's not happened yet. Casey, right. <laughs> we're, you know, we're coming up on it. So that's a big question mark right now. Yep. There is a, the way they've defined that program since they put it out there was, has gone from just get the paperwork in and everyone's eligible type of thing. If you're, you know, less than however many employees it was, um, you're good to go. And then they've just added nuance after nuance after nuance after nuance to where now it's pretty complicated. And some people, I'm sure, are going to get, you know, left holding a bag here because uh, what they thought, what they started out as their perception of what they can and can't do to what it is now are two completely different things. And, you know, I kind of, there's a lot of folks out there that are going to be in some trouble just because of how the rules changed in the game as you started playing it. Yeah. You know, the other thing is the 20, if you remember, it was originally an eight-week covered period, it right. was called, and that's how long you had to spend the money. Then they extended mm -hmm. it to 24 weeks. So for a lot of people, that 24 weeks may be up or is coming up and do so. So that's, again, another reason why, you know, people are thinking about, well, it's maybe time to apply, but you know, a lot of banks may not even be accepting them yet or, you know, or just because, you know, everyone's not exactly sure. Um, 
So I'm only just kind of tidbit here, you know, for the self-employed farmers out there and talking about that deductibility problem, right? If I pay payroll. So if you're a you know, self-employed farmer, you know, a schedule left farmer and, and if you remember, you know, you could get a loan, roughly about a $20,000 loan on $100,000 of profit. And that was kind of the, you know, because you don't, if you don't have payroll, right, how do I get this loan? Well, they said, well, just look at your Schedule F. And if you remember that. Mm-hmm. So the nice thing then is on this deductibility is that you don't have that deductibility problem, right? You can, you basically just kind of or, or allow this $20,000 of loan forgiveness. Again, I'm rounding here a little bit, you know, kind of on, on the surface, you don't have to actually, you know, pay somebody else the money. So that deductibility issue uh, really won't be a problem if you're purely self-employed. Um, so there could be some, some consultation around making sure, you know, maybe you've got some employees and, and obviously you have some of your profit from your schedule F do I want to use any payroll expenses, right, for forgiveness? If you do, or rent or other types of things, you'll have that uh, potential taxability problem. So it could be that a self-employed farmer can kind of get off the hook um, because their their forgiveness was kind of automatic and didn't really depend on having to actually spend spend the money. So it's it's a little bit crazy on that, a little bit uh, complicated as, as all this stuff is, but um, it may be that you're okay um, because you didn't actually, you know, you're not actually spending money on payroll as one example. Uh, but we'll have to see um, how this all works and, and whether, you know, Congress acts to uh, try to simplify this. Because otherwise, there's going to be tons and tons of loans. They're going to have to go through this process, right? And the SBA... As a reminder, once you if you do submit it, uh, your app, your forgiveness application, the bank has sixty days to get back to you and say, you know, we've either conditionally approved it or not. And so then they send it on to the SBA, and the SBA has ninety days. So, yeah. um, so a lot of work to be done, you know, in ninety days if the SBA gets hit with all these. Yeah, which means it'll be longer than ninety days. So this will be yeah. a this will be a, an ever developing thing as we uh, as we head towards the end of the year. Yeah, but yeah, we'll touch on some more things in the in the upcoming weeks and months here, and and hopefully maybe there will be some you know some new new guidance on this as we approach the end of the year. Right on. Well, good stuff as usual, Glenn. Anything last thoughts you want to throw out there before we shut this down? No, I don't think so. I think that's enough for today. Right on, man. All right. Well, Glenn's great to have you back on. It's been a been I don't know what three or four months since we had a had a conversation like this. So it's been. Uh, it's been a, a, a good to talk to you again, and I guess uh, folks want to reach out to you. What's the best way to get a hold of Glenn Birnbaum? Yeah, it's best. You know, our number is still the same You're here at the East Pier office of Sickage. It's uh, area code 309-694-4251. And I did, we'll also put this in the show notes. I'll, I'll put a link in there that you, you can sign up for our Sickage uh, ag uh, newsletter kind of a, you know you can get an email periodically um, as we as we get get throughout the year but we'll have a little link in there to sign up uh, for some some insights on the agriculture industry as we go forward here so again that'll be in the show notes right on well good stuff 
Well, I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest podcasts as they come out, as well as any blogs I have posted. They'll show up there as well. Check out movingironllc.com for all the latest news about the Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, January 20th through 22nd. We had to postpone the uh, September event. Uh, that we had to uh, due to coronavirus restrictions, but uh, everything's full steam ahead here in January, headed up to January. So if you'd like some information about that, make sure you hit me up at uh, Moving Iron Podcast and MovingIronPodcast.com. I'll get you all the latest information there. And uh, go ahead and uh, listen to the Global Ad Network and the great podcasters out there as well um, and what they have going on. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Glenn Birnbaum. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here